0: A happy accident, an accident that could lead to opportunity.
1: But then he had to take off his hat. And uh oh, poor guy. <laughs> dry, lifeless hair can take the fun out of your life, but you can put it back with Brill Cream. With Brill Cream, a little dab will do you. Watch Brill Cream put life, life, life in dry hair and fun back into your life. Brill Cream gives your hair that look the ladies love clean, disturbingly healthy, so masculine. Watch. Brill cream, a little babble do ya. Brill cream, you look so debonair. Brill cream, the gals will all the ya. They'll have to get their fingers in your hair. Use Brill Cream and put life in your hair.
0: Do you know who your partners are? Now business partnerships, whether they're between us and another internal group, or between two startup companies, or between us and someone who can help us resell our product or service, or two brands sharing content, platforms, and ideas, well, they're increasingly a part of the everyday fabric of our jobs. But in reality, they're a little like our plans for New Year's Eve every year. You know what I mean? We get really excited about the anticipation of what it's going to bring, but They rarely work out like we thought they would, and we're almost always disappointed by the end results, but we get just as excited for the next one, next year's New Year's Eve, next partnership. You see, partnerships are risky. Now we often think about them as a way to mitigate the risk we have, but really, partnerships are tremendous risks, because if we do them properly, they really are just like the partnership between us and our husband, or wife, or girlfriend, or boyfriend. We have to give as much as we get. Sometimes we have to actually give more. As my wife will tell you, being married is like having a best friend that doesn't remember anything you say. Marriage truly is the privilege of having one very special person that you get to annoy for the rest of your life. And that's what business partnerships are as well. We know they're important. According to a research study conducted by the CMO Council, 85% of their marketing respondents looked at partnerships and alliances as essential or important to their work. However, the reality was that few of them are actually succeeding. The failure rate according to that same study of partnerships are on average about 60%. Now fun fact, the current rate of failure for first marriages is about 30%. So you're actually much more likely to fail in your business partnership than you are at your first marriage. Now shouldn't it be easier? Anyway, partnerships will almost assuredly become a key piece of what we're doing in content and in marketing in the year ahead. Influencer marketing, that's a critical partnership. Account-based marketing, partnerships, content marketing, it's absolutely built on partnerships, partnering with internal parts of your organization, developing trust, working with other brands, media companies, agencies, publishers, writers, etc. all in partnership to build a successful strategy. And that's the theme of our show today, partnerships. The ones who make us say, I do, and the ones who make us say, no way. Now, one of the secrets of life is to surround yourself with good partners, the ones who make you better, the ones who you make better. As Jeff Bezos has said about the importance of partners, life's too short to hang out with people who aren't resourceful. And now it's time for me to bring my partner into the mix here and start up our own little partnership for the 168th time. You ready to walk down the aisle? Well, then... Let's roll.
1: Now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR, with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys.
0: Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 168 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, January 30th, 2017. And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and my partner in crime and content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Happy snow day for you, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, 18 or so inches of snow, and it's beautiful.
0: Oh, that's Fantastic.
1: It is the kids. uh, The kids were jumping around and going sledding and doing all kinds of of fun stuff. So it was a nice day all around, and uh, we had lots to do tonight. Actually, I had to go. I mean, recording not relatively early, but I needed to because we had basketball practice and we were going to a basketball game. But everything got canceled.
0: Oh well, there you go. So now it's now it's snuggle up, have some hot chocolate, glass of wine. Everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, I asked you before, snow in Southern California? Uh, sadly, no.
0: No, we, we, we miss the snow here in Southern California. It, um, no, actually, today is one of those reasons that you live in Southern California. <laughs> today is 80 degrees. Um, it's absolutely crystal blue skies. And yeah, it's, it's, it's the kind of day that you go, yeah, this is why I live in L.A. It's, it's, it's a very nice day.
1: Well, that's nice for you. Yeah. I'm really happy
0: for you. <laughs> well,
1: uh, 100, 100, 100, is this episode 168? This that is a seems hundred and like
0: 168. A it seems, it seems like a few. Yeah. We have been doing this a little while, my friend. It is absolutely true. So, yeah, when we get up into the 200s, I think we're going to have to you know we're going to have is
1: the to, 200s is that when it happens like, I think you know, that's the first yeah that's what i practice but you get 200 <laughs> exactly. and like accomplish
0: something that's when we're like the beatles right and we get out of the uh, the basement club in in liverpool and actually go on tour we we will have put in our 10,000 hours as they say
1: this is how you do it 168 169
0: 200 right Yay! right did you have you seen have you seen the founder no, but I want the Ray- to. The whole thing about that it's a it's a sadly. I thought I found it slightly depressing.
1: That movie. The story. This is the story of McDonald's. It of is. Ray it's Croc. the Ray
0: Kroc. It's the Ray yeah. Kroc um, uh, story about basically how he completely screwed over the original founders of McDonald's and became the founder of McDonald's and. You know it's the one thing that the the reason I bring it up is because the one thing that he continually says it's about persistence it's about persistence because he started that company or started the the franchising of that company when he was fifty two years old so wow. he didn't you know, he was not a young man and so it's uh it's a and he's continually about it's all about persistence it's about you know one sixty eight one sixty nine one seventy and so there's, there's that. It's a, it's a, it's a good movie, right? It did. It's uh, er, yeah, maybe, but it's, it's new ish. Um, and a good movie. I recommend it. I recommend it. Not two thumbs up, but I would, I definitely recommend it for those who look at business. It's a, it's a wonderful business case strategy as an emotional ride of something that, you know, you're really into and not so much. It's, you know, it's you walk out a little confused about who you were supposed to be rooting for there. So it's it's a little I'm, odd.
1: Uh, I had it on my list. I have that and La La Land. Ah, uh, La, La La Land is great. Yeah, La La Land. Oh, well, you is saw wonderful. that too. You oh, see I did everything. Well, I live in well, Los Angeles. Of course, you're in this Hollywood. Is what we do. Yeah, this is what well, we do for a living. Do they have to like? Do you have to review all the movies before they go out in distribution? We do. It, it comes. Works? Yes, it comes as
0: part of your property taxes. Basically, as <laughs> you actually have to actually review the movies um, as part of your tax uh, form fill out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, I well, I you know how much I love musicals, and I hear the I know. music is it's, very good. It's, and it's dancing. Really great.
0: And, oh, it's oh, dancing yeah. and music. It's it, You know what's not to love about That's it? That's just shit. tremendous all the way around.
1: Uh, did we have news this week? We
0: did. You know, here's the thing. I will tell you this week. Maybe it was the snow um, or the weather or other things going on in politics. Holy smokers. Um, but we did. it was a slow news week this week, but we did actually find a number of interesting little nuggets out there to talk about. Um, and the first one, the one that tops our show uh, this week, is a merger of all things. And Upworthy and Good uh, announced merger to join forces. This one comes courtesy of the horse itself um, from goodinc.com and their press release. Um, and big hat tip, by the way, here to Richard Sink at Richard underscore Sink on Twitter. Thank you, Richard, for the story idea on the Twitter. And it opens up by saying Upworthy, a mission-driven media company and Good Worldwide, a global media brand and social impact company. That's like, Uh, marketing ease for agency, (laughs) Exactly. for those of you counting at home. Today announced a merger that positions the new entity as a leader in social good, media, and consulting. Upworthy and Good are uniquely positioned to help individuals, organizations, and brands drive progress. Together, the two companies reach over 276 million people on Facebook, garner billions of video views annually, and receive a combined 31 million unique visitors per month to their websites. They create content, provide consulting strategy, and partnerships for some of the biggest and most innovative brands in the world, including Airbnb, Facebook, Google, PayPal, P&G, Starbucks, and the United Nations Foundation. I definitely have a take on this, but I wanted to get yours first. What did you think about this merger? I mean, is this what we've been talking about, or is is this a little different,
1: or what do you think? Well, it seems like every week we're covering an agency buying a publisher, and this is exactly what this is. And I actually... When I first saw this, I was like, "This is really good," because of course you've got uh, you know Good World Worldwide, which is a, a, from what I can tell, is an agency that focuses on you know brands and and doing good good things like sustainability and good That's you know, right and, and purpose driven marketing if you will to steal That's from right. from our friend Russell Sparkman who talks about that all the time. Yep. And they said, "Okay, well, who's the media company out there that uh, most amplifies that and uh, and actually we have an audience around that of uh, people that want to get that kind of messaging." Oh, there's Upworthy. Fantastic. It all works out just right and I think this is a great thing and it's just a continuation of I guess next week we'll cover another one, most likely, because it just it's just keep, keeps happening, right? This is This this is something we should just expect the rest of the year, correct? I, I Well, this was
0: my big prediction for the year, um, was that agencies would start buying media companies. Now, I think it's a little – this one's a little fuzzier because the fact that they're positioning it as a merger. So is this really a media company buying an agency or an agency, agency buying a media company – if you look at the very last part of the press release, it says after the merger, Upworthy will join Good Worldwide parent company. And so that looks a little more like what you're talking about here is an agency buying a media company because they'll continue to operate as standalone brands and will retain their brand names. Um, but... They'll um, remain, you know, the co CEOs now will remain co CEOs, and the Upworthy person will join as president. So it looks a little more like Good is bringing Upworthy in rather than the reverse. But it's, tr- I guess, truly that's, a merger if you look at it.
1: That that's what I'm reading. I, it, it looks a little bit like the United Continental merger. Yeah, there you where go. there's no Continental right. anymore. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. So that's that's what it looks like to me. So if you're going out and you are a part of the good agency if you will you are saying oh look we have this wonderful distribution arm to promote your content and it's a it's a great fit and that's yeah. why you know you and I have talked to a number of agencies over the years where if you have like i remember this one in particular example this agency we were working with in Chicago was really focused on financial services and we talked about the idea of hey well let's look at some of the financial services media properties that you can Purchase, acquire, partner, whatever the case is, so that when you get this business in, you don't have to go out and say, "Okay, well, let's get the media, let's get the media plan going. Let's go buy advertising to promote this content." You already have it, and that's what this is. And it's just it makes too much sense for this not to happen to your prediction, for this not to happen over and over again throughout the rest of the year and ongoing. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, and and it will be interesting for me to see if Upworthy's. Uh, you know, this is a longer term sort of view but but it will be interesting to see if upworthy's editorial direction changes slightly. Um, you know, because upworthy in some ways and certainly not in some of the more drastic ways like you might see from some of the other websites, but it has on occasion been known to be a little clickbaity and a little, you know, sort of on the edge as it were of those kinds of stories that they might put up there. It will be interesting to see if they start to tone and rein that back a little bit. Um, to see if uh, you know, to see if if, if you know they 're really going to focus in on aligning the missions of uh, of good and upworthy into something common, in other words, is this just is this one thing that they 're merging into themselves that is part of a network that they might put together, or is this going to become the primary focus for them to your point? Of offering up a content distribution vehicle for their brands to be able to take advantage of, and you know, really do what we've talked about forever. You know, other media companies doing like New York Times and Wall Street Journal, and all that, and diversifying into into other you know services yeah. and products and stuff like that.
1: Well, if it, it, the thing is, is let's just say that what we're saying, well, how we're positioning it, is correct. That good is the agency. Oh, we're even correct. We're always yeah, well, correct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's they're, no doubt buying, about that. they're buying Upworthy worthy that is is has uh, a number of excellent folks that do content creation as well as distribution. This is probably step one if you're That's thinking right. about okay exactly. what's, what's the journey of good worldwide. It said oh, okay well there are a number of properties that compete with upworthy in different niches and you'd want to take as many of those as you can so that that you then have a media portfolio if you will and you never have to go to outside your own network to buy space or to do any kind of native advertising deal. It's all within network. And I think that's the more, that's what, that's the model you're going to, and you're already seeing it, but that's the model that they're trying to build. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think. And, you know, and, and look, hats off to them. I, you know, it's, I have, I have admired good as an agency for a long time and sort of their focus and how they differentiate in the marketplace. So, I, you know, I'm a fan already, so good I good
1: for good. Yeah, good, good for, for good, good. Good for
0: good. <laughs> that's that's good. good. It's good. Um, special. Yeah, excellent. Special. All right. Enough on that, shall <laughs> yes, we? Let's, let's move along. Let's here. go on.
1: Um, here good. we
0: go. <clears throat> Our second yeah. story of the yeah. of the show comes to us courtesy of marketingland.com. and a hat tip here, by the way. If uh, all the stories this week have hat tips to them, so thank you, by the way, for. Giving us story ideas, we ask for them obviously at the end of every show, and and this week was like everybody. I mean, we all the stories uh, were provided from users on uh, Twitter, so thank you for that. We really appreciate it. So, hat tip here to Bill Jones at D William Jones on Twitter, um, and the headline from Marketing Land is: What does Medium's profit model pivot say about the future of online advertising? The article opens up by saying, online advertising, and especially its bulky older brother Programmatic, are darlings of the digital marketing world. Even folks who typically focus on the content and SEO side are dipping into the implications of bot-driven ads. The ability to deliver highly targeted display ads and sponsored content to key consumer segments with literally superhuman speed and precision sounds like the data-driven answer businesses have always been waiting for since the dawn of personas. But... What if something went wrong—not with programmatic, but with the system itself, the vehicle on which ads arrive on consumers' desktops and phone screens—and then they go on. The article goes on to talk about the challenge that we discussed on this uh, on this show, certainly that Medium has had, and basically saying that the advertising business is broken and will continue to be broken, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and that Medium is ultimately admitting that the display advertising business is dead. So. What did you think about this article? I certainly have a take, but what did did you think?
1: Well, it's funny. I've had a conversation with a few people recently about the state of advertising. And uh, advertising is not dead, uh, at least not to two companies, uh, Facebook and Google. Certainly not, right, right. Uh, It may be shrinking for everyone else. I think we'll talk about that a little bit in the next next, uh, news article, so I don't want to give that away. But uh, what I did like about this article was the focus on, okay, well, if – Advertising isn't the answer. What is? So it kind of goes through about okay. Well, what happens with programmatic? And um, you know, do right. we have to get away from the clickbait? Or maybe we sell our data. I mean, there's some really good, interesting things. I got a couple of takes. I want to hear your take. But but a couple of things. There's a whole section in here on publishers can find ways to make money in data. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of data that journalists gather that editorial machines put out that they don't publish, that whether it's in numbers or whether it's research, uh, qualitative research, you can then take that, package it up, and sell it. I just want to say that's easier said than done. I've been around a lot of publishers that say, oh, data business, we're getting into the data business. It is not that easy to find people that will purchase the data in the form you have it. That's right. So you. You actually have to go out into your market and you have to figure out how are these companies manufacturing, transportation, whatever it is, how are they using the data and how will they buy it? And then how can we scale that instead of I mean, you can sell one off data deals all day long, but scalability, that's a whole other thing. So I I like the the whole data segment in this, but it's really hard to do. Um, the one thing that I had the question on, and then they go through, oh, of course, you can subscriptions, but then, you know, New York Times is doing well, and in a lot of cases, they're doing well right now because in subscriptions and the Post as well because of kind of the backlash against Trump. So you're seeing that in media, but I don't know if that's a long term thing or a short term thing. Uh, my well, I
0: think it's going to be a
1: long, <laughs> long, <laughs> long. <laughs> uh yeah yeah uh, my my question to you though is i don't see any focus on products here um do you do you think that was just forgotten purposely left out just wasn't was well ignored? No, i don't think
0: what? it's purposely left out i think it's i think it's one of those things look you you know <laughs> in, in in the simplest thing, not that you don't already have enough to do, and I don't want to go persuade you to write another book, but literally, you could you you seem to be the only one really focusing on this, and so there's a book there, right? There's there's you know I, it, it it baffles me why we haven't seen more of this. Now, you can argue, um, which is actually what I took out of it, where the number three one, which is publishers will find other ways to make money via data being one of them, that that could conceivably be considered another product, right? So sure, packaging absolutely. up these, you know, packaging up these, um, you know, so I get out of this this sort of two elements of data, one of which I thought was a really interesting one, if not sort of more complicated to do, to your point, um, which is this idea of the the... There's the data of consumption, right? Which is, by the way, where if you're looking for yet another reason for content marketing to exist in your business, there it is. Um, I mean, this is the topic of my talk at Content Tech, our, our, our virtual event that's coming up, which is this is truly that the audience provides you the data and the data is valuable in comparison to what your buyers are doing. And there's, there's a real value in looking at the gap between what audiences do and what buyers do. That's a whole other rant. The other thing that I thought was interesting was, and I had never considered before, was this idea of journalists gathering all the stuff that they never print, right? So when journalists go out and do a story, they might actually write the story about you know 50 or 60% of all of the information they've gathered. There's a whole set of information there that could make other content and repurpose and packaging that up and selling that to other pe- brands or other people and basically selling research around a particular topic or a particular story. Sure. Would be a really interesting. Now I don't know how you scale that, and I don't know what it really means, but it's an interesting thing to me. Um, you know, when I look at this, uh, uh, you know, the this article in particular, and sort of it, it, it strikes me that publishers are really trying to find ways and to leverage the one asset that they have which is the audience and the brand that that audience has right the, you know the brand that they have with an audience that they own or can address that's the only value a media company has really and and so when you look at that it's like all of these things are interesting whether it's subscriptions or data or new products or smaller media outlets or all the things that they're suggesting here, these are all really interesting. And I think are brand specific company specific, you know, in other words, the New York times can do has leeway and, and, and runway to do things that upworthy can't right? you know, no, you know, and and those kinds of things. So I just find this fascinating in terms of, 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 it seems like we're finally recognizing that the display advertising business is sort of evolving away and needs to diversify into other businesses. My only critique of this article is it took a long way to get to their point. It, you know, the whole <laughs> I, I took, you know, it, it going through all the programmatic and you know personalization and all that stuff to get there. It's like I, I didn't need all that, right? It's like there, this has nothing to do with programmatic advertising. Well, this article.
1: The- that's the one thing that in a lot of cases is a total side note but if you look at a lot of the online content there's a lack of editing because they don't feel there's a need to edit because it just goes on that's, and on that's yeah, why yeah, if you look enough. in print that's why you i mean it's like if you have 500 words it's 500 words that's all we have room to fit you can go <laughs> right. on and on you can go all kinds of tangents if you want to right um well the one thing again we've talked about this before but it's yes it's it's just audience. You build an audience, and then how do you monetize that? We talked about you know, the value of the New York Times is not the amount of content they create or Washington Post. It's always in the value of the audience and, and what that audience, how you can monetize that audience in various ways. Yeah. Um, just, just looking at Medium, since the story here is about Medium, just kick out some revenue ideas, right? Events right now come to mind. Medium could be – I mean, Medium has a number of communities – that they have audiences built around, as well as their publishers do, that you could right now, you could launch a certain number of events. If you were just looking for, hey, what could we do? Yeah. Donations is another thing they could throw out there. There's a lot that we're going to talk about a company later in this article that uh, supports through a number of donations. Affiliate product links they could do right now. And they can monetize themselves without like giving away the farm from an advertising standpoint. And then there is just products. And I guess the, and I I wanna go on to the next articles because it's super interesting. It sort of continues the conversation. But this is what I don't get. This is an article that's talking about how does a media monetize, but yet we don't look, we don't go from media company to product, but content marketing is from product to media company. I mean, it's just, you're just looking at it the other way. Every example we talk about, whether it's, you know, the Furrow Magazine has created an audience in order to sell more tractors or uh, or Casper uh, with the that sells the mattresses. They created Van Winkles for the, the express uh, purpose of building that audience to sell more mattresses. I mean, everyone that we talk about, Adobe CMO.com is trying to build relationships with marketers so they can sell more software. So... Why is this different? Why is every article we read, nobody talks about this? Just frustrating. Sorry.
0: Well, no, it's it's your no, your frustration is shared for sure and 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 you know, the the one thing that brings that together, I think, is the idea, you know, so look, let's not forget that this article appeared in Marketing Land, which is a which is the whole point of this article, you know, we, we cover lots of articles about this same topic and they're from, you know, the, the, the publisher-oriented magazines or the yeah. publisher-oriented blogs. And it's like, what's the future of media companies? And we talk about that a lot because they relate to marketing. This is the reverse of that. This is marketing land and an, and an author of this blog talking about where, you know, what does this mean for marketers? And you know, notwithstanding my you know very small critique that it takes a long time to get there, she actually does get there at the end. She talks about, okay, where does this leave marketers? Yeah. And her main point is basically, where do you want your ad dollars to be going, right? Do you want them to be going into least you know, least common denominator clickbait kinds of things, or do you want to put them into valuable you know, publications where you very value the brand, et cetera, et cetera? I think the one thing she's missing that, you know, would sort of dovetail with your, ah, where are the products? And the publishing side is from the marketing side, where is the we can become the media, right? Where is, where is that as the alternative? This is our time, right? If you read this article and you go, holy smokes, the, the publishing, you know, you could, I don't necessarily, but you could read this article as a marketing person and go, wow. The publishing business right now is in disarray. This is our time to actually go in there and corner the market in our fill-in-the-blank vertical, right? We can go in there and buy our way in, build our way in, partner our way into the theme of the show, and figure out how we can actually take advantage of the chaos that's going on right now with display advertising, subscribers, and all of the diversification that's going on in publishing, and make content marketing a thing in our business and even make it a revenue driver. That's the thing that I miss from this article is at the end, we basically, it's she, she kind of, you know, and I'm not faulting her. I don't want to throw her under the bus. The No, no, no. Article. It's good. I,
1: to your point, it's a it's good a article. It's a great article. Right.
0: But, yeah. but at the end, she basically says, she kind of throws up her hands and says yeah we just we're sort of sitting on the sidelines watching this happen and it's kind of a bummer but we need to figure out where our ad dollars are going well
1: no it's it's more of well if medium can't figure it out and they have 132 million dollars in cash and really smart people who can figure it out? Right, you
0: know, like, and is it going to well, be Facebook or Google? There. It's like, yes, we can figure it out. We can actually do this and 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 make it work. Anyway, so I, I wanted the ending to be there, and it didn't go there, and so that's the only suggestion I would make is that when you read this article, think about where does this lead marketers as 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 you know what this is our opportunity. We can actually do something that is meaningful here and actually you know does. Move our business forward, and actually moves the whole idea forward of what content on the on the on the web really means.
1: We can work it out. <laughs> we can work it out. Sorry, Wait, you know when you were saying that. I know what's the yeah. what's the movie that uh, Denzel Washington was in where he was coaching uh, the football team? was not it and like it, uh, Remember the Titans? Remember or? the Titans. Yeah, he, he's in the, is what your your speech right there is when he's talking to his team and he says it's our time it's our time (laughs) it's our time
0: (laughs) and immediately what i think think of is of course spicoli going if technically if i'm here and you're here isn't it our time mr hand (laughs) (laughs) okay Anyway, <laughs> let's move along. I like
1: your example better. Yeah, there we go. Okay.
0: <sighs> our, our last uh, our last article for the show um, comes to us courtesy of businessinsider.com, um, that stalwart brand of journalistic excellence. Oh, dear. Um, and the headline here is, Leaked Report shows how much money publishers make from platforms like Facebook, Google, and Snapchat. Big hat tip here to Kim Owens. Um, she's at Buzz Boulevard on Twitter. Now, I will also say we got a number of suggestions on this particular story from the from the Twitterverse, um, and there are a number of outlets that are actually covering this. But we'll link to the BusinessInsider.com uh, story, which opens up by saying publishers are receiving far less money that might have been expected by placing their content on third-party distribution platforms owned by companies including Facebook. Google, Snapchat, according to a new report. I wonder if there's a podcast they could listen to that would like warn them that this was going to... Anyway. The report <laughs> from premium publisher Trade Body, Digital Content Next, DCN, claims that the mean average premium publisher generated $7.7 million in revenue from distributing their content on third party platforms in the first half of 2016, equivalent to around 14% of their overall revenues in the period. Now, what say you, Joe Polizzi, because... I read that and I went. Well, I could sort of turn that stat around the other way and go. Well, that's fourteen percent revenue that they didn't have before. That's right. Um, probably so, pretty.
1: Probably probably very profitable.
0: Yeah. Um, so it, it it actually, I'm not sure that the lead is necessarily buried here. But uh, you know, I'm not sure that fourteen percent of revenue is a bad thing. But 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 I, I want you come from this world. Is that is that good, bad, or indifferent?
1: I think that it's. You, you can't put it against anything because if you – first of all, I used to, I used to work in uh, content syndication and reprints when I worked at Penton. And what, what happens is is after you go through the editorial process and you monetize that content specifically through subscriptions, through advertising, and then through events and all the other things that a media company does, then you still have other ways that you can monetize that revenue. And then it comes down to syndication. And this is in that syndication bucket. So you take that and you say, okay, well, we've already squeezed the life out of this piece of content. What else can we do? <laughs> and then you stick it wherever you can stick it. <laughs> right. And in this case, it, this what was great about the content syndication uh, as a – Revenue source, let's say a few years ago, is you were going with EBSCO and Lexus and very in libraries and very oh, traditional right. things, and you're like, course, oh right, great, right, right. yeah, they'll all they all license. There's an annual licensing fee that they pay for f- to to be part of of um, getting this content from your your media company, your media brand. Now you had this social media thing open up, and you're like, wow, they're you know Facebook and and Google and all these other Google AMP and all these other things they're actually going to pay for our content. This is fantastic. Well, yes and no. This revenue number will never get higher. So it looks really good to me by the way. I mean, if it's 7.7 million on average and who knows, it depends on how big you are, 14%, you're thinking, "Wow, that's great." The thing is is that it's this is like a a Trojan horse. Because Google brought you in and said, Oh, okay, we're going to give you some revenue and we're going to let you uh, put this content on our site and it's going to be a win win and it's great. Well, if you go down to the end of the article, which I think is fascinating, and so as they release this, um, you know, I think IAB pushed this out on Twitter and then. A person named Jason Kent wrote back and said, yeah, this is great that you know advertising is growing, all these syndication or whatever, and, but that basically said, well, did you know that the actual digital advertising industry would be down if it wasn't for Facebook and Google? We talked about that before. And what they've done is they've said, okay, to all these publishers and whatever, says, oh, come on over, we'll have your content, it's great, this is going to support you in this way, and what they're going to start doing is they're going to start weaning them off, and every year it's going to get lower and lower, but you're still counting on it, so you're still going, okay, we still got to do it, and then what's going to happen is what's happening is Facebook and Google, they're going to start paying for their own content, creating their own content, and at some point you're going to have no revenues on the content syndication line anymore because Facebook and Google have built themselves up where they don't need you anymore i'm sorry to be so raw- i mean to be so harsh about it, but that's exactly what's happening right now
0: yeah of course so it's, yeah this is the uh this is the you know this is this i guess the metaphor is you know you go out and you give away the heroin and you build a bunch of addicts right and you know ultimately you know they just they you you own them right you 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 basically own that relationship now. And um, you know you can you can do whatever you want. And I guess what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong here, is is that basically what they're doing is they're saying this is as good as it's ever going to get because it just it just gets squeezed from here.
1: There's no yes. There's no reason right now because we built. I mean, I remember this one. I mean, you we both do, right? We're, we're uh, that of that age. We've been around long enough to know that there was. Publishers, when I was at Penton, there was a real decision whether or not we should index our content and let Google have it, because we were concerned that oh, they would go to Google, they might not come to our site. What do we? And then we all realized, oh my God, everybody's doing it. We got to be there because our competitors are there, and if we're not getting that traffic, then oh, Google let us in. Well, (laughs) now Google can do whatever they want to because everybody's going. And that and at that time, Google was not a big deal. It was becoming a big deal. We're like, what is this? What's going on? This is something weird. Right. And we we're and all on
0: Alta Vista,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, now look, we covered it a few shows ago. Google, you know, they've got some gaps in content that they're paying directly to some brands or some publishers out there to fill those gaps, and that will always be needed. Or you're going to send I me mean, the end of this article is fascinating to me, where you see uh, Google AMP and Facebook Instant Articles, and you um, Snapchat and YouTube, they're all figuring out okay. Do we get our content from media companies and publishers, or do we go? Or do out we make and, it? Yeah, and make yeah. it. Yeah, do so, we make it? So, and that's we're at that point right now. And our take, my take is, I think you agree with this, is that in more and more cases, they're going to make it or buy it. Instead yeah, well, it's a different just,
0: investment model, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's the. You know, and not to put too weirdly of an ironic point on it, but you know, one of the things that you used to say in the very, very beginning days of content marketing was, you know, own the media, don't rent it. And this is this is the media company's response, right? Well, we can do the same thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? We can rent the content or own the content, and and yeah, it's it's really an interesting thing. We can own it, and and so it's it's a whole different business model then because you know they no longer need to pull it from media companies they can actually build their own media company and that it's a it's an interesting avenue as as we go down here when you start seeing things like YouTube and um you know it, the article just came out we're not going to cover it on the show but the article just came out for the second year in a row Netflix and Amazon are the two biggest purchasers of content at uh, at Sundance and that just you know that's them buying feature films and television
1: series. That and are, by the uh, way, on the SAG Awards yesterday, Netflix cleaned up. Yeah, exactly. So you know it's it's amazing we've seen just a, a total 180 that that's happened. So I mean, it's the same. So what's happening in publishing is the same thing that's that happened on the brand side where they were building uh, their audiences on rented land, as you just said. Yeah. And now, and and so the publishers did. They were they were basically publishing their original content on rented land. And now both of them are squeezed and we've created these amazing, but whether it's, it seems like it's three now it's Facebook, Google, and YouTube right now. Apple's going to get into that. Well, soon you've, but, and then you've, I mean,
0: they're already there, but they'll, but they'll,
1: they'll get into that. And you've got Apple and Amazon. Yeah. And so you've got like a, a big five or six right now. And, and they're basically squeezing everybody out and it's just, I don't know. We've been talking about it for I don't know ten years or so. So if you haven't, yeah, exactly. if you haven't been paying attention, sorry. <laughs> who, you know where
0: you who? can come to to find out <laughs> the future? Um, all right. Well, speaking of the future, we have an amazing sponsor to talk about. This this is just I mean this is really wonderful. We it's just so good. <laughs> you crack me up. <laughs>
1: It's amazing.
0: It's the most amazing thing ever. Isn't um, it? I mean, <laughs> come on. This is this is I mean, there are tasty sponsors, but this
1: one is tasty. But this one, yeah. This until the next one. But yeah. no, this one fantastic. No, seriously, super thanks to our sponsor this week, Presley. And Presley has a wonderful content offer. Basically, Robert, you know, it's no secret that sales and marketing departments have a complex relationship, to say the least. (laughs) Each has entirely different objects, workflows, and methods of measuring performance. But these departments also share the same essential need. Both require the right content at the right time in order to do their jobs. Luckily... Presley's Starter's Guide to Sales Enablement dives into how you can align sales and marketing and start building conversion-focused content today. You can download the Starter's Guide to Sales Enablement at cmi.media slash pnr168. That's cmi.media slash pnr168. And just a side note, uh, you know, everyone I think knows that, that you and I and, and the whole team is, we've been focusing on the agenda for content marketing world. Obviously we've got intelligent content conference coming up end of March, be there, Las Vegas, but we're focusing on content marketing world right now. And when I was going through the surveys from last year, Robert, sales enablement, huge issue. Like yeah breaking down the silos between marketing and sales, and yep. I'm creating all this content on the marketing sales side, but sales just thinks that we're a collateral machine. I mean, you've talked about that a million times. Sure. Um, so I think as something like this, uh, if you if you are having those kinds of issues, this will help. So cmi.media slash PNR one sixty eight. Thanks to Presley for sponsoring Absolutely. this old marketing.
0: Yep. Thank you, thank you to Presley. That's just uh, really awesome here. All right. Well, folks, it is now time for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and raves section when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that has made us feel like a comfortable, warm partner has sidled up next to us or... That partner turned into some nightmare that we want to get away from as fast as possible. Um, and Joe is going first because, weirdly, he has this old marketing this week.
1: <laughs> weirdly, strangely. By the way, I haven't listened to your intro yet. Now, usually, for those of you that don't know, I usually listen to the intro afterward as we're producing. Yeah. I'm You're really freaking me out a little bit with this partner thing. I oh, don't partner- really yeah, know where you're going.
0: No, it's oh. all about partnerships in Okay, there.
1: very, yeah. very good. <laughs> Just checking. I yeah. don't know where you're going. Um, I have a very, very quick rave. Uh, I just received the new book called Digital Sense uh, from ah. our good friend Travis Wright. I just got it as well. Oh, very good. So His with, PR firm is working overtime. Uh, they are indeed. So uh, Travis, congratulations with co-author Chris Snook. And uh, and there's I just want to talk quickly about one section. There's a section that they're talking about ROI, return on investment. And their formula of ROI of social media includes two things return on influence or the strengthening of relationships and their behavior change over time. That makes sense Mm -hmm. to me. And second, and I thought of you on this, Robert risk of inactivity. And I love that. So basically risk of inactivity as ROI. That's a great one. So you talk about this a lot when you talk about, making the business case for content marketing approach and how since you know you the enterprise are creating all this content doesn't it make some sense to actually create a strategy for how you could <laughs> be an asset in right. the so that content could actually be an asset in the organization i think the same thing goes for social media since exactly. all of our customers and employees are using social in some way it may make some sense to have some kind of strategy around it
0: <laughs> or actually
1: try to build a marketing an organizational asset around how we communicate digitally with our customers. And I'm just getting started in the book, uh, but for some reason, Robert, as I saw that risk of inactivity, it really resonated, especially from what you talk about in the master classes and what you talk about in, in uh, Content Marketing University. So the book is called Digital Sense. It's available now. Congrats to to our buddy, uh, Travis Wright, on the book. So just oh, yeah. to throw Travis out is- as a quick rave.
0: Travis is one of the good guys for sure. I I, I love that guy. So uh, yeah. So I'm I'm anxious. I have not gotten to open it up yet and 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 dig into it. I just received it uh, two days ago. So I'm 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 I've got some airplane time coming up. So I'm going to bring it with me
1: and and get there into it. Go. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to it too. Just just I, just, cause I was a fl- I always I get a new book. I don't know what you do, but I get a new book and I I just always just flip through it to start. and, yeah. and that's the one page I, I ended up on, and I just thought it was interesting. Nice. Nice.
0: All right. Well, I have a very quick uh, piece of commentary and then another piece of commentary. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a rave okay. or, or a rave. Um, the first one that we'll link to in the show notes comes from uh, PR Week, um, and it's just something that caught my eye, so I just wanted to make sure everybody um, got it and, and sort of paid attention to it. Um, it Ogilvy... And the fact that this appears in PR Week, and I could not find it really anywhere else, um, I thought was interesting. PR Week, Ogilvy consolidates all agencies under one p Now, that is such an insider baseball sort of thing that it's not going to get a lot of attention. But I think this is a really important thing to pay attention to. The bigger agencies here, and Ogilvy is certainly one of the largest in the world, They're basically, if you don't know, Ogilvy over the last decade really has been sort of stratifying different agencies and different P&Ls. So they had Ogilvy Direct, and they had Ogilvy PR, and they had Ogilvy Advertising, and you had Ogilvy all these different Ogilvies out there in the world, and now. uh, Apparently, according to this article, the, all the operations are going to operate under one p they're going to have one uh, CEO, um, and they're going to basically bring it all together. And I think this might be one of the turning points that we might point to as sort of looking at the larger, big agency conglomerates is figuring out that this whole holding company, different brands fighting for different clients thing just isn't working out, and start to see some of the trends um, that will happen alongside that. so the, I don't really have an opinion on this one way or the other, other than I think that it's a positive sign for clients. Um, those certainly that are that are that are part of the Ogilvy family, as it were, in terms of clientele. I think this is a good sign for you. It, it, obviously, it's all in the execution. Um, but I do believe it's it's something that we will start to see a lot more of in the coming year. And I think it's going to have some real, you know, they need to start competing with the Accentures and the the big consulting firms out there that are, you know, jihugic companies that are under one brand and one P&L. And this is, this is one way to do that. So anyway, just a quick, sure. a quick note on that. The yes. second one is a little more... Uh, sharp, I guess you might say. Um, This is an article that we'll link to in the show notes from CMO.com. And the headline is, Don't Take It Personally, But Innovators Are Done With Personas. And I point this out because this is the kind of article that got shared quite a bit and it's out there. And it basically, the article goes through and talks about how personas are kind of useless um, that personas doing personas, traditional personas, as they're called in the article, based on implicit data, which is ostensibly web browsing behavior, data mined from social media and purchase based behaviors, don't provide the necessary depth of information to really drive your communication efforts. I couldn't agree with more with that. And in fact, that's the whole point of my talk at Content Tech is that the idea of looking only at the consumption data that you're surveilling from your customers as they browse your buy-oriented websites, is not the best way to determine what they need. Now, for any of you who have attended our master classes or looked at our master classes, we absolutely believe in the idea of doing persona work and figuring it out. And doing persona work goes all the way back to product marketing, and that's where we really make the distinction: is that there's a different process for product marketing persona development versus content marketing audience persona development. And I won't go into the details there, but if you're interested, we, we can certainly talk it through. But the idea here is is that I, while I agree with the front part of this article where they talk about that piece of it, basically the end of the article is ostensibly saying just do it better, right? And so I take issue a little bit with the the, the, the tone of the article by saying we need to do – it's kind of like those content marketing articles that we see all of the time that say, well, here's con- content marketing is, and then they proceed to misdefine it and then say, but you should do content better and that would be great. And then it's like, yeah, you don't get to misdefine what this is and then say to do what the definition is as sort of the as the way to do it better. (laughs) And so this takes that sort of approach to persona development. So I just wanted to comment that persona development is a good thing, but the lesson to be learned from this article is understand why you're doing it. Are you doing it to make your product better or are you doing it to make your content better? And they're very, very different things um and so so yeah point to that in the show notes and and that's my commentary i'm not sure or are sure you just doing it to so. check the box I yes a lot of it's well, like, oh we got to do the persona yeah, thing there's that that's a huge thing too gotta do the that's big a, cardboard
1: cutout of josie that's a that's a that's exactly it right so by the way this was like and thanks to joe kalinowski for letting us know the outfield song is your love but i couldn't remember the 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 beginning part and it's Josie's on a vacation far away. That's yes. the song. Yeah, that's, that's the, the song. S- I just I didn't know it was called "Your Love." It should be called Josie. Yeah. Again, back to last episode about picking words carefully. Words matter. It had been super multi platinum if they had called it Josie and not yeah. Your Love. There you go. Well, so. yeah, I'm not sure that would have saved the outfield from the obscurity that actually happened. Don't be <laughs> hey 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 now. Don't be messing with the outfield. It's the first Maybe band I ever move saw. On on at first this first old marketing. <laughs> 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 There's a bunch of listeners like, who's the outfield? Yeah, and exactly. Then, of course, well, and you oh, people that know. know <laughs> yeah, I was probably with a couple of our listeners at a couple of those concerts. All right, I have uh, I have this old marketing. I feel you like do. I have it every week. I know,
0: uh, <laughs> right? It's, it's it's just like every week. It seems to all. be you. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, so today's example of this old marketing comes from again. This is a great listener show. This, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Hopefully, I'll do it justice. Yadine Porter De Leon, I think is is the gentleman's name. Uh, I think yeah. So let's just go with Yadine. Um, and you sent a note to this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And he says this uh, Not sure if this counts, but I'm a huge fan of home brewing beer. And there is this tap room and bottle shop in my town that creates a ton of content to foster a large audience. It's a separate web property, but the podcast studio, very nice one too, is inside the tap room. The name of the tap room is the Hop Grenade Tap Room and Bottle Shop. So, Thank you, sir. And we went through I went through and kind of did a little bit of research on this. So the storefront is, and will put this in the show notes, the hopgrenade.com. And they have a full listing of what's on tap and how much they have left. That, actually, it's everything's visual. It's pretty cool. So you can see, okay, are they running out of this or that or whatever? Now the content brand for the hop grenade is called the Brewing Network. The brewing network.com. And if you go to the brewing it says the brewing network is a multimedia resource for brewers and beer lovers. From our headquarters at the Hop Grenade Tap Room and Bottle Shop in Concord, California, we produce live streaming radio, podcasts, and video featuring the best professional and home brewers from around the globe to share our love of craft beer and brewing with you. It's actually fascinating. So from what I can tell, they have eight regular shows, Robert. Oh, gosh. I know. All with different topic areas, for example... The original show is called The Session, their Sunday show that brought live beer radio to the Internet. That's their words. Each week, the BN crew covers a homebrew and or craft beer-related topic in-depth through guest interviews with beer industry professionals and celebrity homebrewers. They have another show called Brewing with Style, which is just dedicated to brewing classic styles of beer and then in, and then so and then they have six other shows it's really fascinating so in addition to driving traffic to the tap room which is of course a content marketing effort they have a donations page so all re- so how are they making money in addition to that you and i have been talking a lot about this they have a donations page they have an email newsletter page to build an audience they have some affiliate revenues from what i can tell they have a very active brewers community like and i mean very active where they do a lot of q and a back and forth and they also have a number of Sponsors that support the site. Wow, just like that's a media amazing. company. That's I know, amazing. it's really fascinating. So, all <clears throat> in all, it looks like the tap room has created a separate media entity that drives revenue multiple ways, including, of course, driving people. To their their main revenue source, which, which seems to be the tap room, really cool example of this old marketing. And thanks to Yeedin for for sending this one in. We appreciate. Oh it. my
0: gosh, I love that one a lot because that's one of those ones where you just go, look. Here's a. This is not a multinational corporation. This is you know a relatively small business that is actually putting a lot of effort into this, and you know they've got multiple things going, and they're focusing, and they're creating content, and. They're not whining about not having enough resources. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing.
1: So it's, what's funny is, is that let's say they just – we just talked about this. So let's say they just did the Brewing Network. Like an article wouldn't come out and said, well, why don't they just start a brewery? You know, it's like, right. Like, that's, that's right. what we're, t- it's really not that hard. It's like, well, what would our audience be interested in? They like beer. Maybe they should consume some in person. You know, it's just like, so if you're medium, you're thinking, you know, if you're medium, like, what is my audience like? Where do we have large audiences that we can monetize? Well, I don't know. So, anyways, that's, I'm just, yeah, the point, it's, it's Anyways. good
0: stuff. Great example. Great example. <laughs> okay. So Okay, so other than doing Snow Angels out in your front yard, what are you doing this week?
1: Snow Angels. Uh, I'm still working on the, the, the content marketing world agenda, if you will. We're making really good progress. I'm so excited about the names that we've got going on. Uh, we're, you and I are, are finishing up, of course, the Intelligent Content Conference agenda. That is top. First rate. So they'll actually the whole agenda is online. So go to top, Intelli- shelf. top, shelf, top shelf, top shelf, my top shelf, shelf. Go to intelligentcontentconference com and check that one out. And uh, and I don't have any travel this week, which is wonderful. And I'm gonna do a little bit of writing, I think, on maybe on a book that you and I are working on. I so love it. I yeah. How about it. you, sir?
0: I'm home this week as well. I'm heads down. I have so much. Writing to do it is it is a little overwhelming actually how much writing I have to do not only the book certainly but um, you know presentations keynotes that I'm giving um, all this kind of stuff that is coming up here so I'm I'm a little under the gun in terms of some writing deadlines and all of that but I'll be doing that and then I start traveling again uh, I start traveling again next week and and hopefully in the meantime um, getting ready for a. Uninspired Super Bowl, so there you have it.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't really care uh, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. So, you but go. good luck if you have if you're a
0: Falcons fan or uh, if you're a Patriots fan. I can't.
1: And by the way, just a side note on the whole Cleveland Browns thing. Like, there's like five or six awesome, amazing former Cleveland Browns there, and it's just hard. It's hard to, to watch. Yeah, I'm tired of it.
0: tired of it. <laughs> I can imagine. All right. Well, Joe is tired, so we should leave. That <laughs> is it. Uh, for Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose. We are signing off. And if you like this episode, number 168, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? If you've done it, do it again. I mean, just figure out another persona and just go in there and leave us like nine thousand reviews. That would be really awesome. And if you haven't yet, uh, do consider subscribing if you would uh, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher.com or your favorite podcatcher. And when you leave us a review or if you subscribe, let us know. Let us know that you've done so and hashtag us up at This Old Marketing and we'd love to thank you personally for that. Also, as you heard from this story, we get so many of our awesome story ideas from you, the listeners. So you can also hashtag us up at This Old Marketing with a story idea. We would love to get those story ideas from you or, example, as you heard in this episode as well, examples of this old marketing. Hashtag us up, won't you? Or, as Yadin did... Send us an email at thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. All of those ways of talking and chatting with us are just awesome. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes, available on the show as we publish on Monday night, and, of course, in the show post in its replete, wonderful, all-full-color glory at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, everybody, remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.